You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me once again is the uninterruptible Caleb Coy. Caleb, how are you? <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. So I was saying... Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had that gag planned out for three days. It's been great. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. I'm so excited I got to use it. <laughs> I didn't know that one was coming. And I, I know. <laughs> oh, so here we are again. Here we are again. It is, uh, what is it now? Is it mid-April? It is, it's next Friday. <laughs> it's a weird way to say that. <laughs> this will be April 7th. No, 7th. It can't be right. What are calendars? How do days work? The third was the last Friday. That was yesterday for us. The 10th. This will be the 10th. This is recording. Right. This recording is for the 10th. So not quite mid uh, as we learned last episode, I, I don't know where the middle is in things. Yeah, uh, we've, we've learned that. <laughs> but uh, about a third of the way through April, and uh, life well, is I mean, still... By, by your logic, uh, this is today is April 4th, so we're like almost at the end of April at this point. I mean, we're, it's, might as well be over. Might as well be over. <laughs> kind of wish all, it would we, be. After all, we know that, 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 you know, number one's the beginning, number two's the middle, so number four, like... <laughs> We're, it's over. I mean, we're in the, we're in the back nine. It's Easy. it's May. It's May today. It's May. <laughs> so life is weird. Yeah, and uh, we planned out a lot of these episodes before life got really weird. Yeah, but I feel like this is this is still an okay pick. So you just heard the song "Silhouettes" uh, from the record LP3 by American Football. And American football, one of those bands that just kind of like every so often, like might be a few years, it might be like close to 10 years, whatever. They just kind of come back around, drop a new record, and then just disappear for a while. And I always find that fucking fascinating. Um, I actually remember when the, their last record before this dropped, it was like 2016, and everyone was like, holy shit, new American football. And it had been like... I don't know. I, I could I could give you actual numbers. I could look up the dates, but it had it been was like, 1999 was the first. I say it had been at least a decade. So at that point, yeah, like a decade and a half, and just like out of nowhere, here they come with a new record, and then like three more years pass, and then they drop this, and their records have always been fantastic. They're like just start to finish, they are just serious jams, uh, but like. 
a lot really stood out to me about this one in particular. And uh, I, I think so much of it, that like haunting is a, a word I would use to describe this uh, LP. It's uh, a little bit darker, a little bit more broody than uh, a lot of their stuff. And uh, very, very, very moody. Um, yeah, I, uh, so, so confession time, I have never listened to this band before. Oh, that's fascinating. Because I know, because I, for some reason in my head, thought they sounded, they, they were like a, a mediocre pop punk band. Mm. I don't know why I just, that, that was the, the, I don't know if it was the name invoked that kind of feeling in my head or if. I mistake, mistook them for someone else or I don't know, but I just, I just ignored them. So I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need another mediocre pop punk band in my life. I've got plenty of them. That's true. Uh, so, yes. So, uh, <laughs> so I listened to this and I was pleasantly surprised, uh, yeah. that I'm actually super into this. And now I have two other records to go back and listen to. And I'm, I'm kind of excited that I could have been for 20 years listening to, uh, this first American football record. And, uh, I just haven't been. Yeah, this um, band, uh, they came out of the Chicago scene. Uh, which is so, even more surprising that I'm, I'm not into them. Yeah. Know? And uh, you know, headed by uh, Mike Kinsella, who is known for several bands uh, going way, way back into the like Indian emo scenes. It's like Cap'n Jazz, Joan of Arc, uh, Owen, Owls. Like, dude's been around and like people know who Mike Kinsella is. Uh, and... Uh, I, I would say prolific as far as a, uh, a songwriter goes. I mean, you don't, you know, do like almost 10 bands over the course of two decades and not be writing a shit ton of songs. Uh, and somehow like always good too. Like, I don't feel like there are really any low points in his career. I'm not really familiar with any of his bands. I, I, I've heard of all of them. Like I know of them, but I'm not uh, musically familiar with them. So uh, I'm gonna have to take your word on that, but uh, you have yet to steer me wrong musically, so I, uh, I I am pretty sure that that's an accurate statement. Fair enough. Well, then, boy, do I have a uh, John Mellencamp record to share with you. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> but no, get, getting back to, to silhouettes, I, I use the uh, the phrase or the uh, the word haunting uh, to describe this record, and I think that that uh, uh, definitely is appropriate for this song. Uh, both in music and in the uh, the imagery. I mean, uh, he uses the phrase "continue to haunt me" a, a couple of times, and uh, I think that that's just you know really uh, perfect uh, lyrical imagery. Uh, it starts with this Glockenspiel, uh, and yeah. it's like a couple minutes of it. And there's this great story from one of the uh, the band members, uh, Steve Lamos. He says, "I hated it as a record opener." I was adamantly opposed to it, and I'm so glad they ignored me. I was like, you can't start a record with a seven-and-a-half-minute song with two minutes of glockenspiel at the beginning. I'm so <laughs> glad they said, you know what, Lamos? Shut up. You don't know anything. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, do, it it's a long song to start the record, mm -hmm. uh, and it does start with just this, like, crazy chimes, crazy glockenspiel uh, that then starts to, like weave in and out of and like contrast and overlap with uh this really great uh beautiful like trem guitar part uh and then there's like a i can't tell if it's like a, a tapping or if it's synth or both 
uh, and these like huge bass swells as it like builds and builds and builds and then just suddenly everything drops in and it's this like lush sounding huge ambient song uh, and uh, throughout it like as he begins to sing there's these like swells of the background vocals behind it and it's like it just builds so huge uh, and uh, and you know Later in the uh, the song, they do something that I always appreciate. Uh, there's a, a like a fake out ending, where like yeah. it kind of drops and then like swells back in into this big refrain, and I just, I love it so much. Uh, and it's that uh, that outro refrain of oh the muscle memories continue to haunt me. Uh, and the song, uh, the imagery conveys uh, it, it seems like probably a scene of uh, infidelity or something like that, but it's uh, it's very very visual in the way he like he he paints the scenery with the words we talked about that a bit with like brian fallon who was really good at like creating the image in your head like i see these things uh when listening to uh, mike kinsella's lyrics too i i like that you mentioned the, the haunting uh element to the song because my first impressions uh that i wrote down is I feel like I'm either about to watch a Tim Burton movie or a bad Lifetime movie where someone gets murdered. <laughs> it might actually be both. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's kind of the vibe I got uh, with that, you know, Glockenspiel intro for the beginning that went on. It went on for a while, you know, it's uh, not in a bad way. It's definitely a good opener. Um, <laughs> and so uh, you you have this like drawn out, just like, like really like heartfelt, like, haunting emotional intro uh and it goes right i'm, I'm gonna go right in order on this uh, i'm gonna to, to do the thing we, we talk about not wanting to do uh and specifically i will i will say this is a there's uh it's an eight track record um every track on here is fantastic there are no low points there are no bad songs uh i chose to focus on the first half just because i think that they're all like it's just such a solid front half to a record that like it just it's hits me hard every time, and so uh, moving right into uh, the song "Every Wave."
Musically, if you listen to uh, more of their older stuff, uh, this feels a bit uh, more like those uh, older tracks, but still has some of that kind of broodiness that they set the stage for uh, in silhouettes. Um, kind of feels like the morning after a heavy rainfall. Okay. And so they have a they have a guest vocalist on uh, actually on a, a few different tracks they bring in someone to do some guest vocals on this and this uh, track in particular it's a woman named Elizabeth Powell and uh, her vocals just float beautifully over the top of the chorus like uh, it's actually really appropriate that uh, we just did the tape waves record last week because the way Elizabeth Powell's uh, vocals sound on this remind me a lot of Kim's on the tape wave stuff very like yeah breathy. I can see that and ethereal and just kind of floating along. Um, and I love the way that it like, interplays with Kinsella's vocals. Uh, and in particular, there's uh, like on the choruses, she sings uh, the first several lines, including like a couple lines in French, which is kind of neat. Uh, and then he takes over and the, uh, the second part. And I think it's, it's really neat on the, um, the second verse, he says, all the ballads you sing to me one by one slip into a minor key. And so um, they do this really like beautiful, melodic uh, major key chorus. Uh, and then it transitions into this more kind of um, minor key, uh, like instrumental outro that's like half the song. It's like a, probably like a five-ish minute song, almost six minutes and like the whole second half of the song is this like instrumental part and it's it's really neat and i don't know if that was intentional foreshadowing in the lyrics or if the lyrics were written after or like some combination of both but i always think it's kind of cool when there's a little nod to the uh the structure of the song in the words yeah that's that's a really cool thing the instrumental outro on this track actually caused a bit of a, a funny situation for me oh so uh to give you some some context uh i was streaming this record from my ipad to my home pod uh, laying on my couch taking it in making notes you know like i do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh as the second track was playing uh, it got in that instrumental part and I was like, Oh, it's, I need to take my dog out. It's time to take my dog out. I haven't done that. And so I paused the music and I took my dog out. He did his thing. We came back inside, you know, five minutes later. So it was long enough for me to kind of lose track of what the song was actually doing. Mm -hmm. And then instead of on my iPad hitting play again, I just called out to Siri resume thinking that it would pick back up playing what I had just stopped. Yeah. So we, we, we kick back into like an instrumental and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into it and then it goes in the next track and it's instrumental and I'm getting into it and I'm like, this is a lot of instrumental stuff. And I was like, I'm getting some real like explosions in the sky vibes off of this band. <laughs> I was like, this is pretty cool. And then, and then an Explosions in the Sky song came on next that I was very familiar with. And I was like, no, wait, this is definitely Explosions in the Sky. And what had happened was <laughs> uh, the day before, 
I was, uh, you know, cleaning around around the house and I, I, you know, asked Siri, play some explosions in the sky. So that was on shuffle. And so when I said resume, it just picked back up with that instead of <laughs> this record. So I spent like three songs going like, man, this band sounds so much like explosions in the sky. And then I had to go back and uh, start the record over. That's and, amazing. And listen to what it really is. And it's 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 definitely not uh they definitely don't sound like explosions in the sky, but it is it is quite good uh, regardless. But I I just thought you'd enjoy that story because it was I was really confused for a minute there. I do enjoy that. <laughs> I also do enjoy explosions in the sky, and that's that's great house cleaning music. Yes, um, I did say that I wanted to go in order on the first four tracks, but I want to skip ahead for just a moment and just give honorable mention to Doom in Full Bloom for bringing back the trumpet. stuff like um lamos the one who complained about uh, you can't you can't do this with the opening track you can't have two minutes of glockspiel uh he plays trumpet uh and it's pretty fun to hear uh instruments like that just used in uh in these like really like low-key chill indie songs every now and then just thrown in there just um it feels a little out of place sometimes but then it's just like this is perfect like why don't more bands do this? Uh, and so I love that they brought it back. Um, I'm actually really <laughs> glad more bands don't do it. And I'm, I know I'm going to make somebody mad out there. I apologize to all the trumpet players out there, but the, to me, the trumpet is the most annoying instrument. <laughs> it like, I, it definitely can be. Um, yeah. And, like in, in a very specific context, like it, it, especially in a context of like, I'm listening to music that doesn't typically have horns. 
and it's just playing this like you know kind of like legato melody kind of thing going on and like i just i, I that just grates on my nerves so much i don't know why but but it does uh you know now if i'm listening to like a mariachi band or something where like it's more horn prominent and especially if it's like short you know short blasts like you'd hear in a mariachi band versus like a kind of solo yeah like you know i i i appreciate it more that way but um especially in like the context of a rock band like the trumpet just just draws me the wrong way like i don't know i don't know why bands are allowed to do that because uh they shouldn't be (laughs) it also has to be like it has to be a really good horn player and it has to like fit the arrangement of the song you can't just shoehorn uh (laughs) horns uh you can't you can't just shoot shoot trumpet it in there you can't just shoot some horns in there Uh, (laughs) no and i I mean i think that's shooing the horn players get out of here shoot get Get, get in the studio, record your parts, go in there. Um, no, I, I uh, you know, I, I think that's true of any instrument, really. You should have a good player and a good arrangement. Like, you can't just shoehorn anything into a song and make it sound good. Um, but I don't know, for, for, for me, the trumpet just, I don't like it. I don't know. I'm, you know, it's definitely a personal preference. I'm not saying the trumpet's a bad instrument. I'm not saying people who play the trumpet are bad people. Or bad musicians. It's just for me personally, in the context of music that doesn't normally have trumpet, the trumpet's the worst thing that could possibly happen for me personally. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, you're allowed. I'm allowed to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the very first track that I heard off of this record, um, I remember. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it was like the first single released or whatnot, or if it was just like the record had come out and. Uh, this was what he was just most excited about. But I got in the car with my brother one day. He's like, have you heard this new American football record? Like, you have to hear this song. And so he played for me, uh, Uncomfortably Numb. Haley Williams of Paramore, and she fucking slays it on her parts. Just 
absolutely fantastic voice for the song. Uh, I mean, in general, but for the song in particular. Uh, and it's, uh, it's one of those songs, like, it's not particularly short. It's a little over four minutes, so it's, you know, fairly, like, probably a little more than average length for, like, modern, uh, like, rock songs. But... And again, there's a difference between modern rock songs and modern rock songs. Uh, <laughs> inflection's important, people. And so is so is punctuation. Uh, anyway, it's it's not a short song, but it's one of those ones that always leaves me wanting more. Like I always want it to be longer. Uh, and I think a part of that is just because of like how like simplistic it is and how like easy it is to kind of get lost into it. Like their vocals just like trade off so effortlessly and these lyrics are so intense uh and it just it always really makes me want the song to be longer and um i think it's kind of interesting like really reading into the lyrics because it feels like it's kind of a representation of how like trauma and uh like bad habits and whatnot can be carried forward generationally from like father to son to uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, he, he says in the line, uh, you know, right, right in the opening verse, you know, sensitivity deprived. I can't feel a thing inside. I blamed my father in my youth. Now as a father, I blame the booze. Damn. Yeah. Like it's, it's a hard hitting one. And, uh, like in the second verse, they, they kind of trade off a little bit and like, it starts with her singing whose ugly side is the ugliest. Like <laughs> in the, you know, uh, in the event of an argument, like which one of us is being worse? I don't, I don't know if I'm reading correctly into that, but I love that line. Um, I feel like the the title and it's it's used in the song "Uncomfortably Numb" uh, is probably a, a play off uh, the song "Comfortably Numb," but well, yeah, because even when they use it in the uh, in the song, they do say, "I have become uncomfortably numb," which yeah. is basically the lyric from "Comfortably Numb" by Pink Floyd. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's definitely a a nod to that. Um, I find it interesting that you mentioned you wanted the songs to be longer because they're already pretty long. Yeah, and so I think that's a testament to just how good the arrangements are. That you know you're not sick of the song by the time it's over, even though they're you know all you know kind of over five minutes. Yeah, uh, which is which is pretty cool. That's hard to do. You know, it's hard to keep someone's attention, especially this day and age. Uh, you know, for five plus minutes in a single song, uh, but they they do it a good job of it. It's you know, I again, even not being familiar with this band, and on my first listen through, like I at one point I never thought like, is this song over yet? Yeah, which definitely happens to me. Like I've definitely listened to long songs, been like, okay, you could have stopped here. Uh, mm-hmm. But this, uh, you know, they they kept it interesting and they they kept it fresh, and I, I never once, you know, I never once felt like I was listening to a long song. And it like it changes up in the the formatting just enough and kind of like pulls you along. You know, the the fr- first verse is just him. The second verse, there's um, like just like a little bit of like Haley kind of singing in the background. These like drawn out breathy lines. The third verse is her, like uh, kind of flipping the script and like singing from like the other perspective of the song. And then the choruses are them trading off in this like really kind of like rapid fire way. Uh, and it's so like brilliantly done. This is one of those songs that I catch myself like putting on just like on repeat to the point where like I probably should be like completely sick of it by now, but it's so good. It's a very good one. 
also one that has a, a really well done um, music video and uh, kind of makes me think of like if that uh, one like brand new song, like if that were good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get started on that band right no. now. I just I just had to get a dig in there. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> there's uh if you listen to this song uh after hearing this podcast and like you you listen like listen really listen to the uh the last chorus where they're uh trading off back and forth um and it says you know the lessons are so much less obvious the further you get from home how will I exist I don't want to know blacked out redacted I just want you home I'll make new friends in the ambulance. That line, I just want you home, is so like, ah, like reaches in and just kind of squeezes your heart a little bit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> we'll go out uh, for this uh, this half on the fourth track on the record called Air Apparent. Uh, and <laughs> look, <laughs> I fucking hate children's choirs, but... The outro of this song... It, it works. It does. It does. The outro of this song is a lengthy children's choir outro, uh, just repeating two lines, you know, the king of all alone, heir apparent to the throne. And, like, it works so well. And I think that's at least in part, too. Like, if you listen closely, there's a young diva in training hitting those high notes, and they are just living it, loving it, and slaying it. <laughs> <laughs> Also, there's a flute. There it's is. Very pretty. Which is uh, less annoying than a trumpet. I love it. Mean, so far, <laughs> we, we've discussed like a glockenspiel, a trumpet, a flute, and like we're only halfway through this record. <laughs> like, they, they, they are like very creative with the additional instruments that they'll bring in uh, beyond, uh, you know, drums, guitar, and bass, and even like some synth or strings. They like really like figure out ways to get experimental without getting weird one of the things i love about this track is that the chorus sounds really upbeat but it's still really sad <laughs> like yeah it's it's got a little bit of like a a happier more melodic music like quality to it but like it's definitely it's it's very sad um and one of my favorite lines is from the the very first chorus when he says um I'm unapologetically sorry for everything. Uh, so I, I laughed when you when you brought up the name of this song because I looked down at my notes to see what notes I had taken, and I see that uh, autocorrect had changed the title of the song to Hair Appointment. <laughs> so that's the world I'm living in today. And like, no, autocorrect. Nobody's got a hair appointment right now. Yeah, nobody does. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about that song before we transition out of it? Just that children's choir, man. I don't get it, but it works. It do- Yeah, I'm with you. I would normally, like, if someone, if I was working on a record and someone said, hey, let's get a children's choir in here, I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd rather have a trumpet, but that's actually, <laughs> that's actually probably not true. <laughs> no, oh, that's man. not, that's not true, but, uh, you must choose one <laughs> if trumpet I had to pick, or children's choir. 
I think if I had to pick one, I'd pick children's choir. Um, because even though that'd be harder to work with than a trumpet player, uh, I feel like the overall result I would enjoy a little better. But uh, but yeah, I normally am not a fan of children's choirs in in any situation. But in this record, in this song, it works. It it's what the song needed. There's also some like interesting juxtaposition between the like inherent innocence of childhood and the like just depth of the loneliness that the song portrays. Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb Coy. And together, we plumb the murkiest depths and scour the darkest corners of the internet in search of movies. Movies you might have missed. Or purposefully skipped over. We break down the madness and offer tiny tidbits of trivia. Or sometimes just yell into the abyss about how these movies ever got made. Catch a new episode every week. Yeah.
You're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still your host, Kitsy, and Caleb is still as uninterruptible as always. Isn't that right, Caleb? I almost so we weren't. Today, this week, we're going to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> I like that I was in such a rush to interrupt you, I didn't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> like, so, today, this week... <laughs> I'll allow it. I almost thought we weren't going to make it here. For those of you listening at home, you'll never know, uh, but... We, we we spent a good deal of time getting to this point. We did. And uh, I think part of that is Caleb and I just like talking to each other. But another part of it is this is kind of a sad one because uh, as uh, for us, this is uh, this is April 4th um, and Adam Schleisinger uh, passed away April 1st uh, from complications from COVID-19, which is the worst fucking April Fool's joke ever, by the way. Yeah. Uh, thanks, COVID-19 um fuck this fucking virus yeah bullshit yeah but uh you know adam schleisinger uh was the bassist uh co-founder and uh co-songwriter of fountains of wayne and what you just heard was the opening track off of their first album which is a self-titled album the song is called radiation vibe and this song uh it's it's a fantastic record opener. It is the like perfect power pop anthem. I, I just I love this track. Um, so this song has this like kind of steady trem guitar going through at least through the the verses, uh, and it reminds me of something. And I spent the better part of the last couple of days trying to figure out what it reminds me of. And I don't know if this is right, but like it just popped into my head. Um, the first track of, off of Dizzy Up the Girl. Oh, but no, uh, Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, but that can't be right. That can't be what I was thinking of. I would but have to. I, I haven't heard that record in so long. I'd have to listen to that again. 
that might have popped into my head for some completely unrelated reasons. Now I'm questioning whether that even has the same guitar effect or not. But it's definitely something that I've heard before that, honestly, based on time, it was probably influenced. It, like, if there was any influence at all, it was probably influenced by this song rather than the other way around. Yeah. Uh, just because this is from what, like 96, 97? This record's been out a while. Yeah, uh, 96, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just something that stood out to me. I was like, I really love this effect. And like, it reminds me of something, and I just I couldn't think of what. But like, <laughs> this song has some groove to it. Like, the, like underneath that, or like alongside that, like kind of steady trem guitar, the like main riff is just like really groovy. And I love it. I don't think it's it's a, a tremolo effect. I think what's actually happening is it's just a, like muting the strings and and strumming like eighth notes with a wah pedal going back and forth is what okay. it sounds like to me. That makes sense. So it's, it's, like, it's it's just the I'm doing a terrible job of it with my mouth, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and you're not gonna catch me doing that. <laughs> I was trying to trick you into doing it better. Nope. Um, but yeah, so you mentioned when we uh, were talking about American football, how you never really listened to them. Uh, I am, of course, very familiar with Fountains of Wayne existing and with uh, a few of their like bigger singles. Um, I mean, who doesn't know Stacy's mom? Come on. Right. I, mean, I was singing that earlier um, just because it's so fucking catchy. It's a great but catchy song. I realized when I put this record on that like, I've never actually sat and listened to a Fountains of Rain record. Like, I just haven't sat and listened to any of their records start to finish, uh, anything beyond the the singles at all. And this is really fucking good. Yeah. Like, really good. And it, like, it's the same thing where this is, like, 20-ish years of, like, I could have been enjoying this and haven't been. And what the fuck is wrong with me? I mean almost 25 years you could have been enjoying this record yeah yeah and it's, it, it's uh you know i honestly same for me i um i again was aware of fountains of wayne i knew of their their bigger singles obviously stacy's mom is a jam mm-hmm. uh and and if that's what you're here for no we're not going to play it on this episode so if that's why you're here just go put it's it's 2020 go fire up spotify and listen to it um and then come back and then come back uh, but, uh, you know, I never really dug through their, um, their catalog and, and, and got really into them, but I did, uh, you know, I have been a big fan of a lot of the things that, uh, Adam Schleisinger has done. Um, and I didn't even really know it. Cause when he passed away, I, like, I, I heard the name and I was like, who? And like, and I saw Fountains of Wayne and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know that band. But then I was looking at like, you know, the songs that he's written and the songs that he's produced, the albums he's produced and just like the stuff he's done. It's like, oh, I actually love a lot of stuff this guy's been involved with. And I just didn't realize that, you know, he was involved with any of this stuff. So this is one of those things that like I didn't think it was going to hit me hard. And then when I realized everything he was involved with, I was like, oh, damn. Oh, no. And so I, I went back and um, uh, I, I, you know, just decided we'll, we'll do this first record in, in, in tribute. Uh, and yeah, this is just, this record is just jam after jam. It's a, it's a power pop powerhouse of a record. I love these quotes about this, uh, first yes. song too. Uh, according to Chris Collingwood in 1996, the song was written in less time than it takes to play. 
could be about a guy who tries to do anything to get a girl to like him. It may not mean much of anything, though. When we were really writing the album, Adam and I really tried not to think too hard. Hopefully, that off-the-cuff thing has its appeal. And then according to Adam and it Schlesinger definitely does. in 2005, I think Radiation Vibe, which Chris wrote and was our first single, is one of the best songs ever, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. And that's part of what I love about it, is that it's sort of anthemic, but when you stop to think about what you're saying, it's hilarious. We used to lie in interviews and say it was about Phoebe Cates and her struggle in Hollywood when she first got there and her big break with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, which is uh, which is fantastic that they they claimed it was about you know uh, her big break with Fast Times at Ridgemont High because then they later parodied that for the Stacy's Mom video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which clearly was that was a, a movie they were into. <laughs> I love this uh, ability to acknowledge like you can think whatever you want about this, but it doesn't mean anything. And like we think that's fucking funny. Yeah. No, I I love that because you definitely have you know there's definitely pretentious uh, you know songwriters and artists out there that are just like oh my lyrics are so deep you wouldn't understand them and I love when a, a, a someone can write a really catchy fun song and be like yeah this doesn't make any sense we wrote it because it's fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm like I just I I love that just honesty it's like yeah we wrote a catchy pop tune and it doesn't make any sense and that's okay one thing I. I came to realize very quickly on this record is that I only knew the, like um, Fountains of Wayne and Adam Schlesinger, like big, like catchy pop songs, uh, Stacy's mom and whatnot like that. Um, but the slow gems on this record, I think are like some of the best, like period, like really, really well written. Uh, and I love that because it just, it caught me off guard. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, there's not a bad song on this record. At all. It, you, the, the whole thing is just solid the whole way through. And then there's some little fun, uh, some fun little Easter eggs in there, like uh, the track eight, I've Got a Flare. I got a flare for holding the stair and holding you downtown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's something I can't tell. I Got a Flare was one of the tracks that like really stood out to me. Just like the way that the song starts, because the, the riff has like a lot of really great movement. And then there's this like 
really cool like high notes uh like floating over the the background of it and it's just it's really really pretty did you catch that the outro they rip off don't fear the reaper the guitar riff i did not and i wish i had yeah and it's not even like it's not even like oh it kind of sounds like don't fear the reaper it's like legitimately they're playing the guitar riff with the same guitar tone of don't fear the reaper (laughs) and it fits perfectly over the song that's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the funny thing about it is that, like, it, the song doesn't sound like Don't Fear the Reaper. No. In any way. No. But somehow that riff fits over the song perfectly. Mm-hmm. To the point where if you're not listening for it, you're just like, oh, this is just part of the song. Yeah. But then it's like, wait, no, this is Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> my god that's brilliant another song that really stuck out to me uh that was just kind of a, a funny goofy one was leave the biker seems the further from town i go the more i hate this place he's got leather and big tattoos scars all over his face and i wonder if he ever has cried because he couldn't get a date for the prom he's got his arm around every man's dream to me about this song because it also is, is referenced in the, the first track like I feel like this guy had a little bit of a hang up in the uh, the mid to late 90s on uh, porno mags <laughs> now mind you like the internet was in, uh, you know in its fledgling stage and uh, content wasn't nearly so accessible as it is now but like kind of talking down on people for, for getting their fix via magazine you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that he's in this. So the line specifically here is, um, wonder if that guy's read one word that wasn't in a porno mag. <laughs> and to me, that's not saying like, oh, I'm getting down on this guy for, for, you know, looking at porn. I think what he's saying is like, I don't think this guy's ever read anything else. That's fair. Like the only words he's ever read are because there were naked ladies on the next page. Like, <laughs> I think that's an appropriate interpretation. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how I took it anyway. Just funny because that uh, that jumped out at me because I re- I remembered the the reference to Playboy in Radiation 
vibe. Uh, vibe. Thank you. As we uh, we talked about in the first half of this record, I am a sucker for a fake out ending, and they uh, they nail that very well in this track. Yep, they sure do. And I, and then I just I love the chorus for you know the first half of the chorus for the lyrics just being goofy. Like he's got his arm around every man's dream and crumbs in his beard from the seafood special. What what, what? seafood? Crumb? <laughs> I'm glad you thought that too. <laughs> What an oddly specific thing. <laughs> and like, I could see that being like a throwaway line in a verse, but that's an oddly specific thing to put in the chorus. I mean, I guess like if it's like breaded shrimp or something or like fried fish. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's gotta be fried, right? Cause what else would, where else would like, cause seafood's not known for its crumbs. No. Um, messy perhaps. Like if you go to like a, a good, like, like seafood boil or something like that, or like one of yeah. the places where they just they they cover the table and you in plastic and just dump a bunch of food on the table, like that's real messy. Yeah, but like no. uh, like if you if you go to Maryland you're, and you're doing like crabs, you know, yeah. taking part eating them. I feel like uh, it, at least in like Hollywood versions, uh, it it never goes well for uh, anyone to encourage a woman to uh, leave a biker who she's dating. Uh, it usually ends poorly for the encourager. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and as a biker myself, uh... <laughs> it's true. You are. I I do ride a motorcycle uh, occasionally. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I'm, I have a beard. I have tattoos. I guess, yeah, I could, I could be mistaken for a biker, what with the fact that I have a motorcycle and all. <laughs> what, what with the fact that you are? Yes, <laughs> I could be mistaken for that thing that I technically, definitely am. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's. I, I'm not. I don't think I'm that kind of biker. I would, I would never start some shit. I, I like. I have. I have the the. I have the the uh, appearance of a guy you don't want to mess with, but like in reality, you could totally mess with me and I wouldn't do shit about it. <laughs> and that's not an invitation, mind you. That's not me giving you permission. I just like I'm I look intimidating. I am not. No. <laughs> I want to get back to the chorus because we've only talked about the first half with the goofy line about the seafood special. But then the the part that I love the the, the I think the catchiest overall just like moment on this record is the baby please leave the biker leave the biker break his heart moment like that's mm -hmm. going to be stuck in my head for months and i'm fine with it it is a very catchy chorus yeah almost to the point where like i didn't want it to be i know because it it's such a goofy dumb song and then you're like oh but that mm, that chorus is so good like i want it to be a better not like the song is good but just like i want it, the lyrics to be deeper or something because that that bit is so good if you if you go into a Fountain of Wayne record like wanting depth, I feel like you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And the yeah. same was true of a lot of bands that got popular in this era. Yeah, uh, where like they just really weren't taking it seriously, and like that's fine. But like, buyer beware if, you, if that's yeah. what you're looking for. No, if you're looking for deep, meaningful lyrics, this isn't your record. But if you're looking for uh, if you're just looking for fun, catchy power pop jams. I mean, this record's got buckets full of that. Buckets. Just buckets of power pop jams. Uh, but speaking of catchiness, 
uh i think track two sink to the bottom uh overall is the catchiest song on the record i wanna sink to the bottom with you i wanna sink to the bottom with you the ocean is big and blue i just wanna sink to the bottom with you trying to hold a straight face but i couldn't i mean the lyrics are, are not deep it is it's a very catchy i mean uh you better hope that it's not deep if he's trying to sink to the bottom you want to be able to get back up <laughs> uh, no it is a very catchy song um i find it hard to like try to dissect and talk about it beyond like this is a fun song. Like, you probably enjoy this. I really don't have much to say about this song <laughs> other than it's just a catchy, catchy, catchy song. I mean, the opening uh, verse, chorus, I don't know. I guess it's the... I go up the chorus. I want to sink to the bottom with you. I want to sink to the bottom with you. The ocean is big and blue. I just want to sink to the bottom with you. I love cars on the highway, planes in the air. Everyone else is going somewhere. But I'm going nowhere. Getting there soon. I might as well just sink down with you. <laughs> I like the second verse is basically the same thing, just slightly worded differently. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the outro, where just the guitars get big and it's just repeating. I want to sink to the bottom over and over again. Yep. It's just like, oh, it's so good. Like these guys know how to write a power pop jam. I, I keep saying that, but it's just. If you take nothing away from this episode other than that, know that Fountains of Wayne writes a hell of a power pop jam. Yeah. And again, like it it disappoints me to like come back and listen to this after so many years and realize like, fuck, this was good. I would have been really into this. And like but even you like, still can be. When it, I mean I am now. But like <laughs> even like the year this released, like this would have been a jam to me. Yeah, same. I would have been I would have eaten this up. As a, uh, what, I would have been 11 when this came out. I would have this was eaten this up. My freshman year. 
when this came out. The last song I'm gonna talk about on this record is Survival Car. Don't you wanna ride in my survival car? You can take the long way home through Central Park. Funny how the ground can find my wheels. I'm going where the road ain't there. I just love this one because, again, straight up power pop jam. I got some serious Beach Boys vibes on this one. Hmm. And I think okay, that's yeah. partially due, due to the uh, ooh la la las in the, uh, uh, in the in the chorus. Yes. I love the line, do like the young folks do in West Coast towns, plowing like a banshee through the overground. What is the overground? What the hell I is that? It's just the ground. Just, yeah. At, at that point, yeah. Through the overground. Drive safely, everyone. Don't don't plow like a banshee through any ground. Yes. Unless you're plowing on like a farm. Like your farm. But maybe don't do it like a banshee. Do it like a farmer. What if banshees are really good farmers? I hadn't considered that. (laughs) (laughs) So the last song I want to talk about uh, this is kind of an unprecedented move for us. Um, is not from this record at all. It's not even from this band. Uh, but Adam Schleisinger did write it, and that is the theme song from the movie That Thing You Do, which is a perfectly written song, if you ask me. It's a very good song. Like there, There's nothing anyone could do to make that song better, in my opinion. And the movies, it's actually one of my favorite movies of all time, believe it or not. I know I've seen it, but off the top of my head, I don't know that I remember it. You should rewatch it. It's extremely good. And that song is just such a jam. It's funny to think about trying to write that song because the way that, the way that came about was Tom Hanks wrote the movie and had this concept for this band and even had the, the name was going to be That Thing You Do. And then put out a call to like songwriters saying like, I need a song called That Thing You Do that sounds like it could have been the biggest song in the world in in the early 60s. Mm -hmm. And like how hard it would be to write that song. I love that they like made and then credited a, a whole band for this. Yeah. Actually, like, probably heavily influenced, well, that and obviously Archie Comics, but um, the uh, Josie and the Pussycats, the way they, they formatted that movie. Uh, fun fact, idea. he actually also, uh, I, let me let me fact check myself here, but I believe he also wrote some of the songs for Josie and the Pussycats. 
I would believe that. Uh, anyway, this has been uh, our tribute episode to uh, Adam Schleisinger. Rest in peace. Our thoughts go to his friends and family and anyone, you know, who's bumming out about his passing due to COVID-19 complications. Uh, please, please wash your hands. Please stay inside. Please social distance. Because the sooner we all do it, the sooner we can all go back to going out to places again. In the meantime, there's plenty of dope music to listen to to pass the time. Hell plenty yeah, of dope is. podcasts. Plenty of great movies. We yeah. can do this. Yeah. Hey, speaking of dope podcasts, Caleb, do you have a dope podcast you'd recommend? Oh, I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you might want to uh, check out uh, the Never Heard of It podcast at thenahoit.com. That's T-H-E. NHOIT.com. And now what is that? Oh, what that would happen to be uh, is uh, it's another one of our, uh, our, our podcasts under our, uh, under our umbrella uh, where our friend Michael and I discuss movies, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes obscure, sometimes just fucking weird. And, of course, uh, we are blessed with uh, uh, my co-host Kitsy as our audio engineer to make things sound not shitty. And uh, other than uh, never heard of it, where can where else can we find you? Mm. Uh, if you so wish, uh, and I wish you to, uh, you're certainly welcome to find and follow me on social media, on both Twitter and Instagram, at Caleb Micah. Where can they find you, Kitsy? Oh, you can find me on the Twitter and the gram. Uh, do it all for the gram at uh, Hey Kitsy. Hey Kitsy. You can find us at leftofthedial.fm or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at leftofthedialpc. The PC stands for podcast, not personal computer. Please stop spreading that rumor. It is patently false. This has been Left of the Dial. I have been Kitsy. Caleb has been Coy. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.
Boo-doo, 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 boo-doo. And then bass is like, boo. 